The word kingdom, as used by Jesus, refers to God's government, God's rulership, God's dominion over the earth. Okay? Matthew 6, 33 is probably the most important part of the whole of everything taught by Jesus on the mount when he speaks on the Beatitudes. And he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So a kingdom is any domain over which a king rules. Am I right? It's a territory. Now, can I, can I share something with you that I think is really interesting? When God made Adam, he gave him the earth. Put him in the garden. He said, tend and keep it. The word there for work, it means to manage. So if you're in management, you're fulfilling God's purpose. <clears throat> so, so I want you to understand this. It's very important, okay? So when God makes Adam, he puts him in the garden, and he gives him what? Territory. Because if he gave Adam nothing, he would be king of nothing. So he gave him earth, and he made him king of earth. Am I right? Okay, so fast forward, they fall, they get kicked out, they lose their kingdom. They give the kingdom to someone else. Who ends up taking the kingdom from them? Their kingdom is taken, usurped, so to speak. It's not offered, it's usurped by sin. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Well, here's the thing. As humans gave in to the rulership of sin... They gave up their rulership over it. Come on now. So as we gave up our rulership over it, it became ruler over us. And then it became king of everything. Romans 5. Adam's disobedience brought sin into the world. Death came through sin. And death spread to all men because all men sinned. Adam gets territory, right? Then we get the flood. Then we get the flood, and Noah gets the new earth. So God again establishes dominion over the earth by man, right? Adam, then Noah, right? We move forward, right? We get Abraham. What does God give Abraham? A territory. Didn't he promise him a land? Come on, are you with me? Okay, then, then later on, they all go to Egypt because they need help, right? Joseph is there, okay? And when they finally leave Egypt, where do they go? They go to a? Promise land. Every single time God establishes covenant, He establishes dominion over territory. Every time. Right now. Okay, remember Matthew 28. 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, go. Are we in Christ? Are we with Christ? Okay. Do we have what he has? God has just extended our territory. Who has first option on buying a piece of land in his own homeland? A citizen. If your own homeland is heaven, then earth is now an extended homeland. Okay, how can you be a citizen of heaven and not have any territory in heaven? We have transcended from only being citizens of earth to being citizens of heaven and earth. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later when we enter into dual citizenship. But do you see how now, because God put on flesh and became a man and had dual citizenship, he gave the dual citizenship to us as well. Okay, so... If we look at this verse, seek first the kingdom, the first thing he says is seek. Isn't that right? Seek. The word seek, okay, what does it mean? It's the word, the word seek literally means to go after something. Yeah, seek means to pursue, study, explore, understand, learn, and consider. Okay, so right now you are here, and you are seeking the kingdom. Am I right? Now guys, I promise you, the kingdom isn't something that, that you just get all of a sudden one day. I was speaking to Pastor Riley, and he was telling me that they were hearing about the kingdom teaching in, in Malaysia for hours and hours every day. And he's still here listening and learning even more about the kingdom, and I'm sure God teaches him even more things about the kingdom. Why? Because the kingdom must be sought. You must seek it. You must seek to know it, seek to understand it, seek to walk in it, seek to demonstrate it, seek to be. Do you understand? Because I don't want the enemy to snatch that from you. I want to get you to gain understanding. Amen? So the kingdom is the first thing you seek. Seek first the kingdom. It's the first thing you seek. Most people, oh Lord, we'll, we'll seek your kingdom when you pay our bills and you feed our families and you take care of my debt. No, you've got the cart before the horse. Wrong way around. You put the kingdom first. And then all these things will be given to you. See, that's how it works. See, God's got his priorities right. Maybe you should get your priorities right. Hallelujah. I mean, that's good news. You should be happy. You know, some people are so, they're so consumed with their own illness that they forget that they have the power to set other people free from illnesses. And they will not step out and touch someone else until one day they're healed. And what they forget is that the fastest way to get healed is to start healing others. 
Because what you sow, you reap. Oh, but Margaret, how can I pray for people if I'm sick? How can you not? Is your prayer for someone to be healed based on what you've done or based on what he did? Is it based on how good you are or how good he is? Is it based on his promise or your promise? Is it based on him qualifying you or you qualifying you? Hallelujah. Do you know what you do when you pray for other people when even you still feel sick? You prove to the devil you believe that healing is now. You prove to the devil, I don't care what you think. I don't care what I feel like. My God is right and the word is true. In fact, no one has ever prayed for anyone, all right, that really knew about healing and wasn't sick at one time. There were times where I was dealing with things in my body that I needed to sort out. And I was praying for people and they were coming out of wheelchairs. They were walking. I mean, we've seen amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. And then if I had to get stuck on what was happening to me, I would never have prayed for anyone. You don't go by you. You go by Him. The kingdom first. Not your experience. Did you notice? It doesn't say, it doesn't say seek first your experience. Did you notice that? You know how many people I tell them about the gospel, about the kingdom. They say, yeah, but in my experience. I'm like, yeah, but, but, but in my Bible. No, but in my, my, in my experience, yeah, but, 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 but in my, my, my Bible. <laughs> I don't care about your experience. I care about my Bible. Amen. Why? Because I don't want your experience again. The only way not to have that experience again is to believe in the Bible. If I keep thinking about your experience, guess what? I will have your experience again. And if your experience is a bad one, then why would you want it again? Do you want a bad experience again? Okay. Ooh, hallelujah. The Spirit of God is like busting. Can you feel it busting? Yeah. He's just, he wants to go. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Jesus. So the kingdom is first. In other words, the kingdom must be your top priority. Right? And then, righteousness. Righteousness. What does it mean to be righteous? It's important to understand what righteousness means. And we'll get to that just now. The kingdom is not a religion. The priority of mankind should be to seek the kingdom. And not seek religion or some form of ritual. The word kingdom is... The word basilia, that's the word I was talking about earlier. And it is the same word used in Genesis for dominion. So we need to seek first dominion. Oh, are you hearing me? Listen, dominion means that you have sovereign control over every situation in your life. And what is happening to you is happening to you because you're allowing it to happen to you. Believe the Word of God. Everything else you've tried hasn't worked, so at least believe this. What have you got to lose? Everything else isn't working. How is selfishness working out for you? Any good? No. 
Even if it seems good for a while, it'll backfire. Isn't that right? The kingdom is better. Trust me. The kingdom is better. Listen, you will not face persecution from God. You will face persecution from man. But if God is with you, who cares what a man thinks? Ha! Ah, I don't care what people think. I care what God thinks. It's more important. You know what I found? Is when I care what, what God thinks, the right people care what I think. <laughs> and you are the right people, amen? Yeah. The word righteousness is actually from the discipline of law. It's not religious. And it implies right positioning. To be righteous means to be in alignment with authority, to be in right standment with, with authority, to have correct fellowship with authority, to be in right relationship with authority, to be in a legal, lawful alignment with authority. In essence, righteousness describes the maintenance of the rightly aligned relationship with a governing authority so as to qualify for the right to receive governmental privileges. Okay, so that means that because you are right with the government, everything the government promises you will come to you because there's nothing in the way of stopping it to get to you. Unless you don't believe it. You see, because righteousness comes by working hard. Oh, earning it. Coming and saying your prayers. Doing your penance. Confessing your sins to the priest. Is that how righteousness comes? Righteousness comes by showing up on Sunday, ticking the box, saying, I've been to church, God. Leave me alone now. Or some people, okay, God, we came to visit you. We're going to leave now. See you later. Because God is in prison at church, obviously. We just bring him donations every Sunday. Come on, man. I'm going to rip the spirit of religion to pieces today. Because that thing belongs nowhere near the children of God. And by religion, I don't mean proper religion, as James says, which is to look after orphans and widows and to keep yourself unstained from the world. That's all that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the spirit of religion that is more concerned with form and function, the power of money, than it is concerned with people, love, kindness, and justice. Come on. You need, to under, you need to hear me. Because righteousness, he doesn't say seek your own righteousness. He, seek, he says seek his righteousness. He doesn't say, now you better be righteous. No, no, he says, go and find my righteousness. Because when you find my righteousness, you'll find the power to be righteous, even as I am righteous. Come on, man. In essence, righteousness describes the maintenance of the rightly aligned relationship with governing authority. Right? That's what it means. All these things will be added unto you. This promise includes all your physical needs, all your social needs, all your emotional needs, all your psychological needs, all your financial needs, all your security needs, as well as your need for self-significance and a sense of self-worth and purpose. Oh, hallelujah. You mean God thought of it all? 
You think he made it or something? Go to Romans 1. You got your Bible? Go to Romans 1. Romans 1 verse 16. It says, for, and this is Paul speaking. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Okay, well, what is the gospel? <clears throat> Everyone thinks that the gospel is the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, and it's not. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. <clears throat> it was never the gospel Jesus preached. Jesus never preached about his own death, burial, and resurrection. He never told the crowds anything like that. He only told his disciples privately. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. And when Paul says, I preached the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, he was preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was the gospel of the kingdom of God, because Jesus Christ preached the kingdom of God. And when Paul said, if anyone comes before you and preaches another gospel, other than the gospel I preached, which he said was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ was the gospel of the kingdom of God, then he was preaching the kingdom of God. And if he said, anyone comes and preaches you a different gospel, to the gospel of the kingdom of God, let him be accursed. There is only one gospel. It is the good news that the kingdom of God is invading the earth. Sit. Only one gospel. And the only way in is through his son. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ was the way into the kingdom. It was not the gospel of the kingdom. Come on. Jesus said, I am the door. John 10. I am the door. Anyone who comes through me will find great pasture. And he will come in and out and he will be good for him. Isn't that right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus never said, I'm the kingdom. He's the king. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. No one comes to the kingdom but through me. There is no way without my way. I'm the only way. That's why if you think you can hold on to any other idols and any other gods and any other ideas, you're wrong. Jesus is not a falling star that you put in your pocket and save for a rainy day. It's not the way it works. It's him or nothing. It's all him. Because the kingdom is all. It's not some. It's all. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of the kingdom of God because it is the power unto salvation. The word salvation means healed, protected, provided for, delivered, set free from every life-threatening event. I am not ashamed of the gospel of the kingdom of God, for in it is the power of God to save you, to heal you, to deliver you, to protect you, to provide for you. 
Come on, Jesus. Give the Lord a hand. Jesus is king. This is the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus preached the gospel to the poor. Because it was you are not going to be poor anymore. Jesus became poor so you could be rich. Stop having a pauper's mentality and get with the kingdom program. Stop thinking of yourself as someone who is a have-not and start thinking of yourself as someone who has it all. Oh, Jesus. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you believe that's true. The point of religion. I want to talk to you about religion versus the kingdom. Is that okay? Jesus said this in Matthew 23, 13. He said, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You lock up the kingdom of heaven from people. For you don't go in, and you don't allow those entering to go in. What religion does is it tries to stop you from entering into the kingdom. Why? Because religion, it has the ability to serve as some kind of substitute to the kingdom. And thus it hinders you from pursuing the genuine answer to this dilemma. Jesus suffered more at the hands of the religious than even the worst sinners. Religion is not your friend. The religious are not your friend. They will crucify you. Okay. If I'm lying, then Jesus lied. Because Jesus said, if they received me, they'll receive you. If they reject me, they'll reject you. And if they called the master of the house, Beelzebub, which means a devil, how much more will they malign those of his household? If they crucified him, don't you worry, they'll find you. If you don't like it, maybe you should find another religion. Because we are talking about the kingdom. The kingdom of God was a threat to the kingdoms of this earth. Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about it. Daniel explained it. That there would be a rock cut out of the mountain. And that it would come and it would crush every kingdom of the earth. And it would make of it a complete end. And it would become a small mountain that grew and covered the whole earth. It would be like leaven. That leavened the whole lump. For the kingdom of God can be compared to a woman who put a little bit of leaven and left it until it leavened the whole lump. The kingdom of God can be compared to a mustard seed. The smallest of seeds. But when you plant it, it grows into such a big tree. Even the birds of the air can make their nest. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. In Matthew 15, 1 to 3, the Pharisees and the scribes came from Jerusalem and said and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandments because of your traditions? You see... What was Jesus doing? He was saying, 
you're one to speak. You're in a habit of just making up your own rules. And then he uses an example. He says that the Bible says, honor your mother and your father. But you say, if someone comes and pays you enough money, then they don't have to look after their parents anymore. Who gave you that right? By your traditions, you have made of no effect the word of God. So what you've done is you've taken a principle, a key of the kingdom that's meant to protect old people, and you have then given someone the reason to abuse that power as long as you get to abuse your power and enriching yourself. Isn't that right? See, that's what we're talking about here. The kingdom of God's not a religion. It's a government. A government has principles. When you understand the kingdom of God as a government, you'll understand that as a citizen of heaven, you have right to provision. You have right to healing. You have right to protection. You have right to deliverance. It's not an option. It's not a maybe. God's not making up his mind. He's made up his mind. He took great pleasure in giving you the kingdom. It's not an option. It's yours if you want it. Because from the days of John the Baptist, people have been pressing in, forcefully trying to get in. (laughs) Don't leave it too long. You see, religion preoccupies man until he finds the kingdom. So my advice is leave religion behind you and hold on to the kingdom. Amen. Religion is what man does until he finds the kingdom. Religion is man pretending the kingdom is real. Religion prepares man to leave earth. The kingdom empowers man to dominate earth. (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus, it's so awesome. Religion focuses on heaven and the kingdom of God focuses on the earth. Religion is reaching up to God, but the kingdom is God coming down to man. Religion wants to escape the earth. The kingdom impacts, influences, and changes the earth. Maybe this is why Jesus addressed the religious leaders of his day so strongly. Maybe that's why he had so many things to say. It seems clear from these words that religion is one of the greatest obstacles to the kingdom. Most of religion, okay, who, okay, let me ask you something. In religion, okay, and we know what we're talking about when I say religion, right? We're not talking about true religion that's undefiled. Are you with me? We're talking about institutionalized systems that are mere form and function, have actual no real life in them. Am I right? Okay. What, who is the God of every religion? He's, they call him different things. We even call him Jesus sometimes. But the true God of religion, who is it? No, mammon. The true God of religion is money. Because every religion, the manipulation comes in in money. 
They end up keeping a dead horse running for money. Oh, Hopefully you can see, catch the heart of what I'm saying. Because the people in there are not necessarily bad people. It's just that how the system operates, it begins to operate as a system to become a glorification of money. Are you with me? Rather than it being alive and about the kingdom. Okay? Well, that was free. It seems clear from these words that religion is one of the greatest obstacles to the kingdom. Perhaps this may be the cause for us all to take another look at the power of religion over our lives, our culture, and our society. It'll be good for us to break free of any religious things. Am I right? Because Jesus said in Matthew 5.20, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And this is the very reason why you cannot rely on your own righteousness. Because you'll never get it. When Jesus says, he says, be perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect. Who can do that? Anyone here? You're like, yeah, I can do that. I'm up for that one. You have no idea how many generations of people tried that. It didn't work. Some of the base people tried. Some of the worst people tried. Everyone failed. The best of us and the worst of us, we all failed. Which is why the righteousness that he's talking about that surpasses the scribes and the Pharisees is the one that you get by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not the one that you try and get for yourself. Do you understand? It's the right standing provided for you. It's the right standing that pre-qualifies you. All you have to do is say, yes, I submit to the kingdom of God. Come on, and who doesn't want to be ruled by a good king? How, how many of you would love to be ruled by a better government? See, see, we're all looking for a better government, aren't we? Guess what? It's here. It's the kingdom of God. We don't need another man. We don't. We need the kingdom of God. Well, let's look at the kingdom of God versus governments then, shall we? The Bible is the most misunderstood book in the planet. Not only by those who do not prescribe to it, but also by many of those who claim to know and embrace its message. Facts. Simply say, the Bible is about a king. You can write this down. The Bible is about a king, a kingdom, and a royal family. A king a kingdom, and a royal family. The Bible and its story and message are about the desire of that king to extend his kingdom to new territories through his royal family. The Bible, therefore, is about governance and governing. The Bible is not about religious protocol. The Bible is about being a governor, governing. Do you understand? All right. Government is about order, isn't it? It's about influence, administration, distribution, protection, maintenance, accountability. 
responsibility and productivity. Technically speaking, government is kingdom principles. Isn't that right? The government is kingdom principles. So when we look at the kingdom principles, we will find governing principles. Isn't that right? This is what we need to understand. That if we want to govern our lives according to the word of God, we need to understand the principles of the kingdom. Yes? Government was first established by the command and mandate of God. That was the first time. When he spoke to Adam and he gave ownership over, he didn't give ownership over, he gave rulership over. Did you hear me? Everyone thinks that when God says the earth I've given to men, that he's given the ownership of earth to men and he's lost ownership of it. No, he gave rulership of it to man and it still belongs to him. That's why man will still be accountable for what he does with it. Okay, how many of you believe the world is in a mess right now? Okay, how many of you want it to change? How many of you wonder why it's not changed already? The reason it's not changed yet is because of you. You. You are an agent on the earth of change. And you are here to represent the kingdom. And what you're going to find out is that you have been given the power. Okay? Right? You've been given the power. Now what happens when those with power don't use it? Nothing happens. Do you know nothing comes from nothing? That's the only thing that comes from nothing. It's nothing. When you don't do anything, nothing happens. Right? So when you have the power to do something and you don't do it, nothing changes. The saddest reality is when you don't know you have the power to change something. It's worse when you don't know you have the power to change something. Isn't that right? That's why places like this are set up to equip you to know what you have the power to change. To help you recover from anything that might have happened out there while you were trying to change things. Come on. What do you think an embassy is all about? Okay, so without law and government, there will be chaos. Now, how many of you know that we are governed by the law of the spirit of life? The world is governed by the letter of the law. The Bible tells us that the law is for the lawless. Isn't that right? That means that the law, as we know it, doesn't the law as we know it testifies to the truth of the spirit that we have. But it isn't what we live under. Does it make sense? So that the spirit that we have empowers us to live beyond the law. By accident more than we ever did on purpose. 
Because we're not trying to keep the law to get somewhere. We are there so we get to be who we were meant to be. Does it make sense? You're not trying to get somewhere. God has already translated you out of the kingdom of darkness and he's brought you into the kingdom of his beloved son. You're already there. Now in this new kingdom, you're trying to understand how this new kingdom works. Make sense? Okay. And that's where you got to understand the governance part of things starts to come in. Because what governs us is the Spirit of God. Now, does the Spirit of God say anything contrary to His own Word? So can the Word govern us also? So that what the Word says is true is true. And we can go according to the Word. Okay, we said earlier on that the Word of God is eternal. Am I right? So does the Word of God change? Does it remain the same? So if God calls you blessed, when does he change his mind? So then how come you don't always feel blessed? Come on, you've got the answer. Why don't you always feel blessed? Because you don't always believe his word. Why don't you always experience blessing? Because you don't always believe his word. Are you with me? So it's not God changing his word. It's you changing what you believe about his word. You either choose to believe what you see is greater than what he said. Or you choose to believe that what he said will always be greater than what you see. And then you will always see something greater. Was that too much? Some of you are, are you Okay. You're all good. All right. So, what, um, what we need to understand is that there's two parts here. It's power and right. Do you understand that? Power and right. Both authority and power must be in balance for government to be successful. If someone has too much power and too little authority, they can't get anything done. If they have too much authority and no power, they can't enforce what needs to be done. So there needs to be a decent balance between power and authority in order for them to be optimally, perfect, optimally proficient in getting things done. Does that make sense? Okay. So, power without legitimate authority is a dictatorship. And inevitably, it results in abuse, oppression, and destruction. Authority gives power it's right. Are you with me? Authority gives power its rights. So when God gives us permission, then we are given permission to exercise our power within the permission. Come on. Okay. Does God want you to walk in success? Then there has been given authority for you to apply power in the area of being a successful business person or whatever it is that you're doing. Am I correct? Because authority gives power its right. Authority is the key to successful government. If the ruling power does not have authority, it cannot govern. Okay? Now, do you see how much government tries to steal away from the kingdom? Okay, 
a government on the earth will always try and replace the governance of the kingdom. That's why today people proudly say, oh, it's so wonderful there's a separation between state and religion, or state and God, or whatever the case may be. The separation of state and church, right? Are you with me? Now, that might sound good, but it's not that good. Tell me something. What do you think of this statement? By the people, for the people. What about we the people? Who is it that is ruling when we make these kind of statements? Man. Okay, now you guys know that every system has been tried under the sun. Isn't that right? Has communism worked? Has nationalism worked? Has socialism worked? If these have not worked, and these are some of men's best attempts at self-governance, am I right? Have kingdoms worked? Kingdoms worked when the kings were good. But when the kings were bad, it didn't work. Am I right? So a bad king resulted in a bad kingdom. A good king resulted in a good kingdom. So for the best part, kingdoms work as long as you have a good king. Correct? So when it comes to the governments of this earth, only kingdoms have really been successful, okay, depending on the king. And then we have another system that we really love today called democracy. I call it demonocracy. And the reason I call it that is because every time you vote, you tell God we don't need you. I choose DA, not God's kingdom. This is how serious the government of God is. Can you be governed by two governments at the same time? So then you've got to choose. Who's your government? Is it God or is it man? And for too long, we have been duped into believing that we are supposed to allow men to govern us. And it is the biggest lie under the sun. It was never God's intention, even from the beginning. When God first made Adam, he didn't make Adam to rule over everyone. He made Adam to be part of the kings who would come from him that would rule over the earth. We are all rulers. You are all kings. Say, I'm a king. Come on, say it like you mean it. I'm a king. Come on, that's right. You are a king. Why? And ladies, don't worry. If I can be a pretty bride, you can be a king. Come on. True that, right? Yeah, I'm the bride of Christ. I am really good looking. So, I want you to get this because this government thing is important. We have mystified the gospel. We have abstractively distanced ourselves metaphysically from the reality of the government of the kingdom of God. 
We have said, oh, that's our spiritual life, and this is our physical life, as if these two are literally separated from one another, forgetting the reality that it was the spiritual God that is invisible who brought into reality a physical manifestation called this universe that we live in. Proving that the spiritual is what gives birth to the physical, not that the physical gives birth to the spiritual. Meaning that the spiritual has a constant influence over the physical, and therefore spirituality cannot be separated from physicality. Because it is impacted by spirituality. What you align yourself with, you will manifest. That's why the word says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Because what he aligns himself with, he will bring into the physical realm. Because he is a portal, so to speak, between the spiritual and the physical. Because we live in two places at once. Get the tape if you missed all that. Oh. Hallelujah. We can go home now. I think I've given you all the information. I'm just kidding. All right. So understanding governance is important. Understanding that it is a literal government coming to the earth, so literal that Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream not as a metaphysical unsubstantial thing, but as something that would happen in the future where God himself would come and destroy the kingdoms of men and establish his own kingdom on the earth. Now, many people say, yes, Mark, but that's coming in the future when we have the reign with Jesus and we rule as the church. Let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters. If God was willing to be king over Israel in the Old Testament, I think we can expect him to be king over us now. He wasn't waiting then. Why are we waiting now? Did he not say, I will be your God and you will be my people? Did he not say, I will dwell among you? Does he not dwell among us? Have we not received his spirit? Is he not in us? Do we not live and move and have our being in him? Come on, the kingdom of God is here. It's not coming, it's here. You can never appropriate what you postpone. If you keep postponing, you'll never appropriate. You cannot accept what's in the future. So at some point, the future has to be the now. Your problem is you're only living in the now. You'll never get to the future. Oh, you didn't hear me. Listen, there is no tomorrow until you're in the now tomorrow. (sighs) Help me, Jesus. This is why Jesus could say that all authority has been given to him. His father had all authority and therefore he had the right to give all authority. The father had rights to the whole universe, the only government on earth that represents inherent authority is a monarchy. A king has the power and can give it to whoever he chooses. All other governments are formed by either casting a vote or launching a revolution. Human 
Human governments are based in rebellion and violence. Godly governance is heaven's right. Let the king of glory have what is his. Amen? Let the king of glory have what he, what he has paid for. You are his. Because he paid for you. He not only is king, but he paid for you to be part of his family. This kingdom is a kingdom that will know no end. It's not a kingdom that you join today and then a couple of years later someone has a revolution and then they change the kingdom. No, no, no. This kingdom is forever. It's forever. Now if you're sitting here, as, as you are sitting here and you believe that your spirit has been made new, that you are a born again child of God, that, that, that belief, you cannot believe that and not believe that the kingdom will not last forever. Because it's exactly the thing you bought into, whether you knew it or not.